0: Velkommen till Vinmonopolis podcast. I panel i dag sitter programleder Trond Erling Pettersen og varefaglig Anne Engrav och Anders Sturland.
1: Hallo og hjertelig velkommen til podcast. podkast. Og Anne, i dag har vi ikke med oss Anders, som vi vanvis har, men vi har med en internationell gäst. ja. Idag ska vi snacka om vinfail, vad som kan gå fel i en vinflaska. och då har vi med oss en gäst som är er från New Zealand. Han är er master of wine en expert er på vinfail. Så idag ska vi grilla han.
0: Ja, er lite sån i ärerfrukt.
1: <laughs> så bra. we're honored to have you here Sam Harrop, master wine. Um, and, uh, as I uh, mentioned in Norwegian, you're, um, an expert in wine faults. Uh, could you just for our listeners start by, um, telling us uh, how common are wine faults really?
2: Well, it's a privilege to be here. Thank you very much. Uh, wine faults are a bigger issue than, than most people realize. When I say most people, I'm not just talking about consumers. I'm talking about professionals, mm. uh, it's uh I'd say on average my you know my best guess from twenty years of studying faults um I've always had a, a great passion, believe it or not, faults not because I'm um a Calvinist and I wear a hair vest. It's because <laughs> through faults, I think um the wine industry uh needs to improve its game uh, yeah. it has improved its game greatly mm-hmm. and but but it's interesting because. Um, Faults can also bring personality, more on that later. But on on average, I think, to answer your question, I'd say about 6% of all wines that... um uh, hit the shelf uh, faulty in some capacity um, wow. whether your consumers see them as being faulty is another thing yeah because obviously education is very important in that equation
1: yeah and that's what we're uh, trying to do here today but if if we imagine uh, on the uh, the billions of wine bottles made in the world and sold in the world throughout uh, a year six six percent of them that's quite a big number. That's well, millions and millions of, of wine well, bottles. Well it's
2: actually billions, billions? because yeah. I mean the, the latest well the numbers I've read are 36 billion bottles are consumed every year yeah. which means 6% is around 2.2 billion. Yeah, Faulty wines consumed, whether mm-hmm. they're consumed or not is a, the big question. Maybe yeah. some of them go down the sink. But,
1: <laughs> but uh, on some level there is something wrong with uh, 2 billion bottles of wine yeah. in the world every year.
2: What, what market, what, what product, I should say, what industry um, accepts that level of fault? Uh, I can't think of any. It's unacceptable. But but equally, we've got to put it into perspective. Wine is a hugely subjective category. Uh, as I said already, that certain faults can actually, at the right levels, can add complexity, personality, charm to mm-hmm. a wine. Uh, to me, they might be charm. To you, they may be a fault and mm-hmm. undrinkable. So wine is subjective. We can't lose sight of that, and that's perhaps one of the reasons the percentage is uh, hi- higher than in other p- industries and so forth. Mm. We can't get too scared about it, but there is a lot of work that um, winemakers and retailers can do to reduce faults. Is yeah. no question, and there's a lot of work that's been going on.
0: Mm. But how do you how do you define faulty wines? You you see it through in analysis, or do you? is
2: it a sensory perception well you, you can look at it both ways actually but in the most simplistic uh, definition the six
0: percent fault is that the six
2: percent from my experience is not analytical it's mm. purely sensorial i've mm-hmm. judged in many competitions and mm. one competition i judged that for many many years i was responsible for looking at faults and the, that was the general figure, and we mm. were always very conservative. We would only really call a fault a fault if it was a very extreme. Yeah, if it was um, really obvious. Really that obvious. The wine was
1: corked or oxidized mm. yeah. or something like that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> correct. But what what's also really interesting is some of those wines that went through as faults. You know, if they were re-entered, could well have won medals or trophies Mm. that that is the fine line we're talking between (laughs) pleasure and pain Mm. to one man it is pain to the other it is absolute pleasure Mm. subjectivity so six percent is really just it's it's a figure it's fairly arbitrary although it's based on a lot of empirical Mm. um, research if you like from my perspective sensorially Mm. but um, we can't get too too caught up in it there are some faults that need to be hit on the head there's no no question about it. One of those is cork taint.
1: Yeah, that's probably the first wine fault that people uh, think of, and the first you're taught in in school. Uh, if you study to become a sommelier like you, uh, Anna, mm-hmm. I guess the first thing you you got uh, taught about wine faults were cork taint.
0: Yeah, it was the one fault I was really embarrassed if I didn't notice, <laughs> 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 because it's uh, it's the first. Yeah, fault. (laughs) Well, it's
2: the first fault. It's one of the few that is black and white—a fault in anybody's language. It's Mm. pretty hard to, to say, oh yeah, you know, I I quite like cork taint. That musty, (laughs) you know, for the uh, audience, um, Mm. cork taint is that. Who those who don't know is that um, musty character. If you wet, if cardboard is wet. (coughs) And yeah. then you you come back to it after a few hours. You smell that cardboard. Mm. It's it's that musty, dank character, and yeah. it's it's pretty ugly. Mm. Not I've never encountered someone who enjoys mm. that character. So it's no. black and white. It's a fault. Yeah.
1: Mm. it sort of takes over the whole wine as well. In at least in some concentration, that uh, the whole wine smells of damp cellar or wet cardboard instead of fruit. It just mm. puts all the fruits. Uh, away in the wine, so to speak. Depends on the concentration, um, yeah, I think. you know,
2: And certain people have different thresholds to these mm. compounds. So yeah. I might um, have a, a higher threshold than you. So yeah. I, you might perceive a particular cork tain issue as being dramatic and mm. destroying all of the fruit and you can't smell anything else. But for me, it might be a little mm. less apparent and therefore less offensive mm. but it's still a fault
1: it's the most known of the wine faults but how big is the problem of cork taint in in the world perspective is is most of the six percent you you spoke about cork
2: taint uh, i would say about well it's hard to it's actually really hard to say what percentage of that six percent because that's based on competition analysis mm. it's not a real market mm. It's it, there'll be accuracy there but mm. No, I think roughly roughly speaking, 50% of all of the wines in the world are bottled with natural closures. Mm. So if you take a very conservative figure of 3%, which Mm. is what I've observed, 3% of all wines here with natural closures have um, levels that are quite apparent. Mm. I haven't analysed these wines for TCA, but one would assume that it's above 5 nanograms, which is a fairly... Average figure for most mm. of the population, I, mm. I, I believe. Mm. So, 3% of 50% of the 36 billion bottles of wine that are bought and consumed every year is quite substantial. It's about 500 million bottles mm. of wine with an indisputable yeah. uh, fault. And
1: you spoke of TCA, which is like the, the compound responsible for this taint. It has nothing to do with bits of cork falling into the wine or uh, anything like that. It's a, it's a chemical compound that causes wine to have this musty taint. Co-
2: correct. And taint. a lot of people think that it's linked to cheaper corks. Mm. Uh, and that more expensive corks and more expensive bottles of wine mm. uh, have a lower chance of having mm. corked. T- not the case. That, that's not. There's, there's not no true correlation. At all. You, the, no. There's no indication that it's mm. quality specific.
0: I actually talked to a winemaker who said it was a very well known winemaker in Burgundy, and he had. All his corks, he put them in uh, before he decided to to buy the corks. He put them in. <laughs> he soaked them in water, and they had blind tastings of the water. Oh, ah, is that just the yeah.
2: That's correct. That's what thorough people uh, wineries do. Yeah. They they analyze every batch mm. because cork taint issues tend have tended in the past to come in batches, mm. and um, so one of the reasons in New Zealand and, and Australia who are pioneers, um, in moving, as producing countries, moving away from cork taint. one of the reasons they did move away from cork, I should say, towards screw cap, was primarily because they did these tests religiously and mm. found too often mm. that many of the batches were corked. Mm. Um, you know, cork also has another issue uh, beyond cork taint, and that's oxidation. Yeah, mm. Cork is a beautiful, beautiful um, product if yeah. you like it can it's expand natural.
1: into the bottleneck it's yeah. nat- a natural product it's natural it's
2: wonderful it's beautiful it's gr- nothing better than um pulling a well actually i'm sounding awfully anarchy are but no. there are a few things better than pulling a cork out of a bottle One <laughs> i can th- think of a few <laughs> drinking the wine that's in there as long as it's not corked <laughs> <laughs> and a
1: couple of other things unrelated to wine <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly <laughs> no comment
2: um but the the, the oxidation is, is an issue with this, this closure uh, mm-hmm. because every Which cork... is basically
1: is air getting into the wine?
2: Yeah, correct. So oxygen uh, comes into the into the wine, uh, can be in the wine before the wine is sealed, to be honest. But mm-hmm. uh, if the cork is uh, um, slightly uh, too elastic or not a good enough seal, the, the um, porosity of the cork is, is not great... Uh, then oxygen can get in, and and the the oxygen then reacts with iron and iron metal and um, phenolics in that mm. solution, and one can then see the the oxidation of phenolics and flavors, mm. uh, which can rapidly degrade the wine, take from the fruit, dry the wine out, introduce. A compound we're getting very technical here yeah. called acid aldehyde which has the smell of almost um overripe apples okay. rotting apples
1: yeah. like mm. almost when you take a bite of an apple and you just put it aside and you let it go brown in the edges yes and you can smell this
2: not up here in norway in winter because it's too cold <laughs> for the yeah. oxidized there's a reaction that the Oxidative reactions are accelerated with temperature rises. Mm. So when wines, uh, for example, another fault, which is a potential issue for all retailers, is uh, that of faults um, caused through uh, shipping wine um, in containers that are not temperature controlled, Mm. where the container may well have been exposed to excessive heat, Mm. catalyzing reactions, not just oxidative reactions, reductive reactions as well, and creating certain compounds that the winemaker never intended to expose. Mm. Um, but the, this, this is the very nature. It's a natural product. Wine is a natural product. This is one of the reasons we love it, mm. and and we're so accepting of it, and I should have said mm. that earlier, you know, and yeah. the subjectivity is linked to that as well. I know when I first started working at Marks & Spencer back in 1997 as a young guy and looking after some of the faults and so forth, one of my colleagues said, oh, the French, they, they actually like." to to see a little bit of insect life in their wines, you know, when Mm. we were questioning faults, you know, foreign body matter in certain wines. (laughs) And, you know, and and, uh, they were joking, but they raise a good point. You know, it's natural. And actually we should celebrate what's natural in life. Mm. Too often we celebrate synthetics, Mm. you know, and and I think it's good. But by the way, when I say natural, I'm not referring to natural wine. No, okay. Which (laughs) is another category, and I think it's an interesting category, but it's... The fault, and my my um, impression is that the percentage of faults um, in, in natural wine are, are much higher than in conventional wine, mainstream wine. Many of the wine's stylistic qualities are built on what we know as these faulty compounds.
1: And what kind of aromas can I smell uh, in uh, in the natural wine that you would consider faults?
2: Okay, so acid aldehyde I've already mentioned is a classic. You know that appley character. Yeah. They yeah. don't like to use sulfur dioxide, which is an antioxidant mm. and an antimicrobial. So. For various reasons that they don't like sulphur, so the wines tend to get a little oxidised. They don't last very long Mm. in that fresh primary state. So the acid aldehydes are classic. Volatile acidity, that is, which is a measure of primarily acetic acid, which is that compound in in uh, vinegar. Okay, so know.
1: it actually smells a bit like vinegar
2: it's from the It actually wine. smells a bit like vinegar. Mm-hmm. And actually, a lot of people around the world say, um, you know, Soms in particular say, oh, natural wine's great. It has a sweet and sour character that goes mm-hmm. really well with food. It's a different flavor. I would challenge vinegar doesn't go very well with food, to be quite honest. Uh, sorry. Fish and chips? Um, <laughs> fish and chips, <laughs> maybe, yeah. But it, it's something that you use sparingly and... and mm-hmm. um, Mm-hmm. But anyway, the the what I'm trying to say is that um, natural wine is is a great, um, it's very is really good for the wine segment. It's it's bringing new flavors, different flavors, bringing new customers. But drink it with caution because many of the wines can be excessively <coughs> oxidized. They can be excessively savory from rogue yeasts like Britannomyces that introduce Band-Aid characters. Uh, um, earthy, farmyard characters, they can be excessively uh, acetic from acetic acid bacteria because a lot of these producers want to keep it natural so they don't filter. The wines are inherently unstable. So when you buy natural wine, be, be aware that it's an ideology. It's not a place. It's not a wine of terroir. It doesn't have a sight expression. It's a wine of style. It's an ideological wine.
1: Yeah. But, and, and if you're not careful, the wine may smell of vinegar and uh, horse manure and farmyard and band aids.
2: Band aids, garlic, onion from sulfides. We talked about oxidation and acetaldehyde and volatile acidity, compounds linked to oxidation. Well, um, the other one is reduction, which is the absence of oxygen, reactions that are occurring in that state. And a lot of those compounds are sulfidic in nature, volatile sulfur compounds. So these characters can. Ex- uh, express rotten eggs mm. which comes from h2s yeah. uh, these uh, you don't often see that in bottled mm. wines because more often than not h2s which is a building block for a lot of these um, sulfides complex quite quickly mm. into character's uh, methyl mercaptans for example that show cabbage characters and ethyl mercaptans which show rubber show rubbery characters mm. and and garlic and onion and 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 when they're extreme they can be Really, quite dominating, and and some people like. I mean, I love onions personally, and <laughs> yeah. I, I love <laughs> garlics, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's the, the Not rule
1: necessarily as a an aroma in your red wine. N- or
2: what may, wine. I mean, each to their own. Everyone mm. has different preferences, mm. and that's once again the beauty of of mm. wine. And, um, you know, it's a subjective thing. I I I make my own wines, and I in some cases I look to a little bit of. Cabbage note and background ever so slight from sulphides has been a, an interesting seasoning mm. element. It's, it can provide another layer of complexity. There's this wonderful Japanese concept which I've, I've learned to um, uh, to use quite a bit and, and, and use in the context of wine. And it's called wabi-sabi, which in a sense... Means perfection through imperfection. There's the concept of perfection is fundamentally flawed because it lacks dimension, it lacks uh, interest, personality. I mean, there's a human beings love. A little bit of asymm- a, asymmetrical mm-hmm. quality there's this wonderful quote that human beings strive for control, but their natural tendency is towards chaos. you know we We are drawn to to complexities you know we we want to keep things simple, but we're drawn to complexities and it's the same aesthetically mm. a little bit of asymmetry teases us mm. it's in, it yeah. creates more an intellectual stimulation around. The wine itself, mm. and potentially in the in with the right consumer, a knowledgeable consumer, with mm. the right context, can heighten mm. the the wine quality at the right levels. Mm.
0: So, would you say the the best wine in the world for you, subjectively, is it flawless? I guess you just answered it. You answered it.
2: Well, it it depends really, because there are certain wine styles that need more imperfection than, than others. When I think of a Sauvignon Blanc, for example, from New Zealand, the best Sauvignon Blancs for me are, are, are pure, are absolutely pure, without any fault whatsoever. Now, there are examples in the market of wine-style Sauvignons that have a little bit of that sulfide McCaptan character that the consumer accepts and loves in mm. fact but but for me sauvignon should expression should be absolute pure grapefruit boxwood mm. yeah. uh, um, and and also passion fruit you know and these are volatile sulfur compounds compounds as well which is interesting because i've just been talking about negative volatile sulfur compounds these yeah. macaptans, well there's uh, these methyl mecaptans there's also this thyolic sort of quality yeah. and, and family, if you like, of, mm. of thios, of uh, which yeah. is the same as Macap then, the two, just mm. another word for the same yeah. same thing. But
1: these are positive. These make our Sauvignon Blanc wines smell of passion fruit and Correct. Uh, and lovely, okay. fresh, uh, floral, uh, fruity aromas. Correct. Yeah. And uh, when you say Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, I uh, immediately think of a wine bottle uh, with a screw cap on top. Yeah. Um, are... Uh, wines with a screw cap always flawless or faultless, or can there be wine faults in? Yeah, in well, this screw is an interesting
2: point faultless. in the context of Sauvignon Blanc. So, wine styles, and I'll come back to answer your question later about other wine styles and imperfection. But Sauvignon Blanc's aromas are volatile sulfur compounds. They are created in reductive um, environment, free from oxygen. Mm. Wine,
1: Sul- wine making where oxygen is not allowed to interfere with the wine. Correct,
2: mm? correct. And uh, now when you take that wine, that very aromatic wine built on sulfur compounds, and you put it in a bottle with a screw cap, that's extremely reductive, unlike uh, a cork, which can be, a, as we've already discussed, a little bit more variable and oxidative. The oxygen transmission rate And screw cap is very, very low compared to cork. When you have that reductive environment for a wine with very low dissolved oxygen uh, and precursors for some of these sulfide, dirty sulfide compounds, you can actually end up with uh, a lot of these dirty onion and, and cabbage characters coming through after bottling. Because of the very reductive state. So, the idea is that if you're making a wine in that thiolic, that good thiolic style, you've got to make sure that the fermentation is really healthy. That means giving the yeast a really low stress condition to operate in. That means giving the yeast like a human good quality food. Really good quality okay. food, nutrients, vitamins, mm-hmm. nitrogen, and the organic nitrogen, not inorganic, okay. and that means that you know that, that the, the yeast is healthier and it's not releasing sulfur. Stress yeast release sulfur. These sulfur compounds then can end up being pre, precursors, if you like, for complex sulfide characters that can develop in reductive environment, i.e., with a screw cap.
1: Yeah, so the screw cap can provide too tight a seal, so to speak. Yeah, there is uh, The absence of air will actually do the wine no good because the, these nice thiols turn into uh, mere captains that smell like onions and cabbage. And this,
2: is the, and this is the interesting thing. I mean, wine is fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, you move away from cork, or some producers have moved away from cork, to get away from a taint that's only bottle-related, right? I mean, not every wine you bottle with cork is corked as i've said already i mean maybe it's three percent maybe it's five percent i mean but there is a percentage that are, but it's by bottle it's not by batch yeah, but it's, so it's you, not
1: the whole batch of wine from the producer it's single bottles correct
2: it's oh, bottle by okay. bottle and it, and it's so it's random in that respect but with so you're moving away from that to screw cap and Potentially, I'd hardly say you're going out of the frying pan into the fire, but you move away from one problem and you encounter another. Mm. That over time with the winemaking, the, the winemakers have learned to manage better. And New Zealand and Australia, who are the leaders in terms of winemakers with this particular screw cap, have pretty much managed it extremely well. It's taken time, but we don't see anywhere near the number of mecaptans, dirty mecaptans coming through in those aromatic white wine styles, as we did say 10 15 years ago but but i, I, I worry about some of the newer countries to screw caps like france and well, yeah. so they 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 need and
1: they should come visit you in new zealand to, to learn probably
2: yeah absolutely. but give me a bit of a heads up because i'm <laughs> i'm often traveling and not there <laughs> they can email me
0: <laughs> but uh, there's never any tca in the screw cap wine
2: No, there isn't. But it's interesting, you do see, and I've seen wines that are sealed with screw cup that show characteristics of TCA. Mm. Of cork cork taint. Cork taint, sorry. Yeah, this musty... Mm. damp, dank sort of but character.
1: Where does that come from? There's no natural cork in the bottles. There's so all s- there's all from? sorts
2: of sources. Sources that potentially the um, barrels can be tainted. Um, yeah. The potentially the pallets that the wines are stored on can be tainted, and oh, the yeah, wine can like d-
1: the wooden uh, pallets that the boxes of wine are.
2: Yeah, and it's a similar it's a similar sort of um, creation, if you like, um, as it's TCA, uh, the cork taint. The essentially, there are um, chlorine and, and um, phenols have a reaction and produce TCA, and and it's believed that in the context of um, cork, at least, that the, the compounds, the precursors for those that cork taint comes from insecticides used on the forest between the 1950s and the 1980s, oh, okay. and that's still in, in, in the wood. The yeah. wood then gets. Um, harvested and, and we start to see these compounds develop so the same with pellets in a sense same with uh, wood beam structures and wine, certain wineries that have had certain chemicals used for example for fire retardants they can be transmitted into the wine um, in some capacity, it's it's slim but it does I mean, you don't see it very often no. but so coming back to a question about um, screw caps and cork taint impossible but other musty taints from the environment can be in the wine, whether it be from the barrel. And one one area I saw which was interesting is that, we, w- in fact, it was with a client of mine years ago where we were bottling uh, screw cap wines, sorry, bottling with a screw cap, and we found this musty taint. Not in all of the batch. Hmm. It was random, which was, I thought, this is That's impossible. Weird. And as it, it turned out that we were squashing the layer boards the layer boards on the pallet of empty glass, the layer boards are cardboard or some kind of um, paper, recycled paper. Now, as they were squashed just by the bottling line, the dust, the particles would go up into air. And when the bottling line would stop, for whatever reason, operators decided to stop, maybe it was for lunch or whatever. Um, the dust would fall into the bottle and cause a cork taint. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A a cork taint type character, not cork Hmm. taint, a musty taint.
1: Hmm. How some people choose to uh, make wine for a living with so much that can go wrong is actually beyond me. (laughs) Anna, how are you feeling when you you hear this as a a winemaker just starting? I get nervous. (laughs) Um. And Sam, uh, hearing you speak a while ago about uh, about the different wine faults, uh, you also mentioned some aromas that can be in wine that uh, at least I think are sometimes positive aromas like uh, gun flint, like pepper, cloves, some kind of spices uh, that uh, in in some ways um, add some sort of complexity to a wine. Uh, when does when the, do these aromas stop being uh, complexity and start becoming faults and and where do they come from can you tell us a bit about that
2: yeah i can and and it's um it's very personal though it's it's we come back to subjectivity you know i might love the smell of of farmyards because of whatever my background or my my dream of moving to the countryside or whatever it's an emotive sort of response others may find the whole thing rather unsterile and horrible so there's that sort of uh, personal preference aspect so some people may just at any level not like these these other flavors um others may love it the other thing too is that everyone has a different threshold as i think i've already said to these characters so at a certain level it may be just too apparent to me but it might just be perfect for you because mm. your threshold's a little higher It's true, there are certain compounds that actually are more appealing to the general masses Mm. in in terms of fine wines, and we're talking fine wines now, that one of them is the gunflint character, uh, the smell of of flint, of a sort of slightly... Like when you
1: strike two stones, uh, flint stones together to create uh, fire? Yeah, Yeah. correct.
2: That smell of, of what... I mean, mineralities are very controversial term in the world of wine but a lot of people link that character to the minerality um it's i guess because it smells of the earth you know and minerals don't actually have a aroma so it's kind of for me minerality is a is more of a metaphor than anything it, but we you know we have our own lexicon in the world of wine i mean we're cork dorks right mm, i mean yeah. we we, you know, my wife is not really into wine no. so much. She drinks it, but she just is always chuckling behind her hand at some of the words I I come up with to describe wines, and you know whatever, each to their own. But um, I think for me at least, metaphors are really important in mm. terms of adding a, 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 an emotive and colourful imagery to the wine to to help me imagine the process imagine the vineyard imagine the the grapes when they're on the vine and you know i think too many people just drink wine Hmm. they don't think about wine i want to be i created this wonderful term Mm -hmm. Um i wrote an article on my website actually a little article and it's called winefulness not mindfulness (laughs) you know too few people are um not wineful they're not mindful when they drink Mm -hmm. wine we we have to adopt that i think so i mean at the end of the day wine too much wine is it does not it's not good for your health right i mean we all know that you're put ingesting essentially i hate to say it but you're ingesting a a poison of sorts a toxin Mm. so and we love it i mean in moderation it's great and it can give great um satisfaction uh, it can be a lubricant socially it mm. can, and it's wonderful in moderation it is good for society there's no question in my mm. mind mm. but um, it's it's true that um, it is a we should be more mindful and, and we should think about the flavors because wine is so remarkable you know there's so many flavors whether they've been derived from winemaking or grapes or yeah. sight or whatever it is mm. or process we need to study or, or try to see this the flavors. I mean, when you imagine taking a grape from a vine, and a red grape, and turning it into this incredible beverage that has so much flavor and density and concentration, and it's dry, and it can age and improve with age for, in some cases, decades. I mean, that's such an incredible liquid. We should get excited when we drink, and the only way we We can get excited, is to be mindful. Mm. You know, yeah,
1: Yeah. and perhaps that's uh, a more important take on wine uh, to to enjoy that gunflint character rather than um, obsess about the chemical compounds that that (laughs) cause it.
2: Correct, and and but it's all about balance, and you know, we we must we all have different thresholds, as I've said a couple of times now. But but Mm. to we must look for balance when trying to define wine quality. Mm. If something is too prominent, it takes from the quality of the wine. Mm. The best quality wines in the world have many layers of flavors, aromas, and so forth. Mm. Uh, but but they're all in harmony. Mm. They're in balance. Mm. And actually, um, some of the some of the most enjoyable wines I've had a, uh, over the years are the most simplistic wines. They're, I mm. see beauty in simplicity. I really do. We once again we over- have this tendency to overcomplicate. You mm. know and and so that rather than go for that hedonistic, big, rich, dare I say it, American style of, of, of wine, um, which that can be very, very impressive, and that's an awful generalization because there are some wonderfully beautiful, simplistic styles of wine made in the States. But rather than go for the hedonistic, start. I, I urge your listeners to explore lighter styles, more pure styles, perhaps slightly lower alcohol styles, less oak styles, Let's taste the fruit. Mm. Mm. Let's not taste the process because grape is an incredible fruit that is the only fruit that can make wine that can continue to improve with age for many, many years.
1: Mm. Yeah. Anything Mm. to add to that, uh, Anna? before we round off this conversation? It has to sink
0: in. (laughs) But but in in a way, uh, how do you, in that sense, how do you look at uh, Fino Sherry or Chura, wines with... uh, Flour.
1: Yeah, with this uh, Flour uh, character, that, which yeah. is uh, this... Essentially
0: uh, a fault. <laughs> well, yeah. essentially well, no, no, height. it's
2: not a fault. It's absolutely not a fault. Flour is not a fault, a no. fault in Fino no. Sherry. No. Mm.
1: no, but it produces uh, the same aromas or chemical compounds Correct. that we would d- d- describe as faults in different yeah. wines. And this is
2: the be- of it. <laughs> This is the beauty of wine. It's yeah. complicated. <laughs> the, it's a wine of style. Mm. You know, wines of style, a lot of them are built on these, these so-called um, faulty compounds. Mm. And they can be a wonderful thing. It's all about understanding the style. It's what, and as retailers, the monopoly should be looking to um, mm-hmm. communicate mm. this the, the, to mm. your consumer. And yeah. Fino is a great example. Jura uh, mm. a similar sort of a flaw yeah. sort of expression uh, rioca wonderfully rich and complex often there's quite a lot of Britannomyces, which is a rogue yeast that produces earthy savoury characters uh, it's also an, it's traditionally quite oxidative so you can get some of these brambly mm. aldehydic notes mm. wrapped in a in a wonderful um, oak coconut american quality yeah. and the wines can be just delicious mm. absolutely delicious so mm. it's wrong to make generalization that all mm. faults are faults yeah. it depends mm. on context it depends on the wine style mm. itself yeah. um and at the end of the day i rea- reiterate it's a personal thing and i also say once again it's awfully complicated it's not black and white mm. but my percentages that i've quoted to you uh are quite real in the context mm. of the mainstream wines on the marketplace, mm. you yeah. know, where, where these faults are just, ex- these compounds are excessive and to winemakers at least should be considered faults.
1: Yeah. And uh, to finish off in uh, in English, even though our uh, listeners probably are mostly in Norwegian, uh, if you listening to this podcast, um, uh, open a bottle of wine and you're unsure uh, if, there is something wrong with it, just to bring it back to the Wine Monopoly and we'll help you find out what, if anything, is wrong with the wine and we'll uh, help you find another bottle that uh, hopefully is is better.
2: Yeah, one thing I should say, just for my side to finish off, is that I've just been at the Monopoly doing a session for uh, the entire team on faults who apparently it sold out within minutes and the, the room wasn't big enough. You know, we had a, a lot of people in the room. It showed to me that you guys are super serious about this subject, which is really exciting, yeah. and you care about your consumers. I can see Absolutely. that, and I'm not just saying that. And you know, I think you guys are in like a lot of the Scandinavian countries are in a great position to actually pro- produce a range of wines that have much lower percentage of faults, overt faults, yeah. because of your control. You yeah. are the only retailer of wine and that gives you a huge leverage to to reduce faults and and do a better job for your customers which at the end of the day is what you're you're employed to do absolutely
1: and who we we try to help a little bit by uh, by doing this podcast uh, as well to try to explain a bit about uh, uh, the faults in wine and how you can how you can discover them and uh, thankfully you can come to the wine monopoly and uh and uh, exchange your bottle of wine if there's something wrong with it. Thank you so much for your kind words and uh, for your uh, insights here today, uh, Sam Harrop, master of wine. And thank you, Anna, and good luck with your uh, upcoming uh, fermentation vinegar. and el- elevage <laughs> of your uh, your white wine. Let's hope it doesn't turn into vinegar. <laughs>
2: thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Takk for du på podcast. Har du forslag til et tema i podkasten? Send mail til podcast at I tillegg svarer kundesenteret deg på e-post, chat og telefon.